0: My soul magnifies the Lord. Altos. my song
1: can say after that is wow. I'm almost tempted to sit down and let's sing it again. That is a beautiful song with a tremendous message. And that is a a message that you and I have the privilege and the blessing of participating in every day of our life. I invite you this morning to turn to Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15, and I want you to find verse 21. Remember last week we were in Matthew 14, Jesus is walking on the water, he finds his disciples, he tells them to go out into the boat, go on uh, just a little ways out, and they find themselves in the boat, Jesus is on the shore Uh, wanting to spend some time in prayer he had just fed the five thousand and so he's spending this moment this time in prayer and he looks out and a storm has come up on the sea of galilee which is very common in that day still to this day still very common and he looks out and he begins to see and he notices the disciples are struggling they're having problems They're scared. You ever find yourself there in life? You think everything is going great. I mean, you're just going along and everything is going wonderful. And sometimes in our life, we even go along thinking, you know, God, I'm really doing so good. I I really don't even need you right now. I mean, things are going well. I mean, things are going so good. And then all of a sudden, something happens and we're reminded we really need God. We really need God all the time, right? And when you search through Scripture, I think one of the messages that we see through the Bible is this. God is wanting His people to draw close to Him. He's wanting His people not only to draw close, He's wanting His people, as we have sung about this morning, draw deeper, connect more with God. Get your life in line with where God is. And so that means if you have to make a move, if you have to make some decisions, if you have to give some things up to go where God is, that is what he's inviting you to do. And so I love the part in that story where they climb back in the boat and Jesus is there with him and when they finally realize this is Jesus, you know what their response was? All they know to do is fall and worship Him. Is fall down and bow down and worship literally the ground that He is on. That is a beautiful moment in the life of a believer. When we come to grips and we come to terms with realizing this is the work of God. And all we know to do is to bow down and give Him the adoration and the praise that only He is worthy of, and we find ourselves worshiping Him. And so in Matthew chapter 15, the scene that I'm going to read to you in just a moment When you first read it, if you just read it and just closed your Bible, you might think, you know, something seems a little weird about this passage. Something seems a little wrong here with how Jesus and the disciples are reacting. I mean, the reactions and the words are not what we would have expected him to be on the surface And that's what I want you to keep in mind as we go through this lesson. So if we're only able to share one story from his ministry with an unbeliever, this is probably a story that I would not encourage you to go tell right off. Because it's one that even we as believers, we've got to stay with it. I mean, we've got to really dig deep and look at what Jesus is doing here and why he is responding the way he is that he is and so you know when you first look at this you might think you know was Jesus having a bad day or do we see a crack here in his perfect love and in his compassion for people with those questions in mind and I think we know the answers to those I want you to hear these words from this wonderful story about the faith of a Canaanite woman beginning in verse 21 Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out. She said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. And so his disciples came to him and urged him. Send her away, for now she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied this time, and he said, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Now I want you to go back for a moment, and I want to remind you of a couple of things. Jesus had been very busy He had been in Gennesaret, around the Sea of Galilee. He had just fed the 5,000 like we talked about, wanted some rest but got very little because he had to rescue the disciples from the storm. And then when he finally gets to Gennesaret, people came for healing, and at the same time, the Pharisees are coming to make a challenge. And so you have both spectrums here. You have those that are coming that are really wanting to be with Jesus, to be healed. And then you have another group coming and saying, I don't think so. And have that challenging finger up in him just like they always do. And so he knew that the end was soon coming. And he also wanted to have this time alone with his disciples and so Jesus did something that he had not done before or would do again during his ministry he left Jewish territory and he heads north toward Galilee to Tyre and Sidon and even here what we see is that Jesus was not free from the demands of people and you have this Canaanite woman coming to him, crying out for help. You see, she had a need. She had a need that was her daughter's, but because it was her daughter, it was also hers. Parents, do you know where I'm going with this? When your child is hurting in some way, you hurt, don't you? When your precious little grandchild is hurting, In some way, you hurt too. And so this woman comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. It's my daughter. She's possessed by a demon. Folks, let me tell you, that is a serious, serious matter. I mean, that is not a laughing matter at all, okay? That is another form, I believe, of what we go through in, a, in our spiritual battles and in our spiritual life, that is Satan at work on our hearts. That is Satan working on our minds. And what we have to believe, we have to have a faith that cries out, that says, my faith in Jesus is more powerful than this demon-possessed whatever. And so we have to have a faith that says, Jesus is can conquer that. Do we believe that? That's the question that I think's on the table for the disciples and for this woman that he she's asking Jesus, I think it's something we have to even struggle with. Do we really believe that even Jesus can take care of a demon possessed person? We know from story after story in scripture Jesus can conquer even that. He can conquer. His blood has the power to take care of all of that. And so this woman has a real need. And when you first look at it, you think, well, Jesus doesn't seem to care. I mean, how easy would it have been for Jesus to have quickly just healed her and you can go on your way? I think it's significant why he didn't do that but not only and I'll come back to that in a minute not only does Jesus not just quickly heal her but also what we see is the disciples come back and say, hey Jesus now she's coming to us and just send her away I mean it was almost like she's a bother you know we don't wanna mess with that and you know we can sit here today when you think well maybe they were scared to death they might have been I don't know, but you've got to keep in mind as the disciples are following Jesus, what Jesus is wanting to teach them and train them to do, he's training disciples how to be disciples. And his point is, when a situation like this comes up, you don't leave. You don't just walk away. You help. You minister. And you do that in the power and in the name of that I'm giving you, that I'm blessing you with. And so you notice, Jesus doesn't leave. But here's what I think he's wanting to teach his disciples. Two reasons. Again, it's a teachable moment. And I think we have to key in on these teachable moments. This is a moment that cries out, draw me deeper, Lord, with you. The easy thing to have done was just to say, you're healed, go. But the teachable moment is, if we want to be drawn closer to the heart of God, I think this is what he's doing with his disciples. Number one, he wanted to teach his disciples this main thing, how to really care for people. And we look at that and say, well, that's kind of generic, that's kind of easy, Hey, as people of faith, as Christians, do we not need to be reminded and sometimes even trained on how to really care for people? You remember the old saying, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. He's wanting his disciples to know. Here's how you care for people. Number two Caring for her deeper needs. He's more concerned about her faith. Now, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to tune in right now. Okay? Jesus is concerned about a lot of things in your life. You can mark that down, and I pray that you believe that. But I want to tell you something. He, of all things, is more concerned about your faith. Because he knows when my people, when my disciples, when my followers can have a deeper faith, there will be a deeper connection with God. When my people have a deeper and a stronger and a more sincere faith, now listen to me, when that is taking place, we are in the presence of God. And that is where God wants us to be. In His presence, connecting with Him, drawing with Him, having that same heartbeat that He has, and that heartbeat includes caring and being compassionate for the needs of others. And so... The beginning of faith is this. It is the acceptance of who Jesus really is. If you want to have just a basic faith that just kind of grows from there, the basic faith begins with accepting who Jesus really is. And you notice what this lady does, this woman, she makes no demands. In a pleading voice, she cries out and she says, Have mercy on me, in verse 22. You don't have to help me, you don't owe me, but I am pleading for your mercy and your grace. It's like us saying, Lord, you don't owe me anything, but I stand in need of something that you have and I need it. You see that? I mean... Obviously, she comes to Jesus because she realizes he has something that I can't find anywhere else. We need to key in on that. And so as she cries that out, I think something that really sticks to me is this. Oh, that we might be less demanding of God and more like this woman. She's really not demanding. Now you might think she is because she doesn't just go away. She's persistent. She's not demanding. There's a big difference. You can be persistent with something and not be demanding about it. I think that's the heart that she has. And so I wonder if he's hoping his disciples would just kind of disagree with what he's doing, but they didn't. They still had so much to learn because just as we saw in the story of Jesus walking on the water, the response of those in the boat said, truly you are the son of God, and they worshipped. Well, this woman had a faith that led her to worship God. Now, it's, it's different. It's not in the worship that we think of with two songs and a prayer and the Lord's Supper and a sermonette and here you go. But do you see her heart? Her heart cannot help but be in the state of worship because she's realizing I'm coming to God for him to give me something that I don't have. Isn't that what we do in worship? We bow down and we show reverence and we pay honor to a God who has done something and who continues to do something that we can't do for ourselves. Every day of life, you are reminded, I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of Jesus because I can't do enough good things to earn my salvation. You're right, you can't. That's why you need more grace and more mercy and more love and more of Jesus. And so this woman worships God. And she comes and she kneels before him again in verse 25 and she says Lord help me she came with a sense of reverence not as an equal but as a wretched human before a great and holy God is that not what we do is that not the lesson that we need to learn over and over again is that we come not as an equal. Man, God is God and we are not. We are not God. And so we're not on the same ground. Otherwise, we wouldn't need Him. But just like this woman, we fall down and we come to the Lord saying, Lord, help me. Do we do that I'm gonna answer for us not like we should not like we need to and so what a great example this is another example I'm glad that Jesus turned north that day I'm glad that Jesus ran across we know that's not the case He was blessed to be in the presence of this Canaanite woman. Just like this Canaanite woman was blessed to be in his presence. Are we not blessed to be in the presence of God every day? Sure we are. And even though there are those moments that we forget that and we try to be superhuman, we are reminded once again of our need for a Savior. And so I love the response here. He doesn't let up. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. You see, the bread of life, the blessings of God belonged to his people. And so she was only a dog, not this vicious street dog like they had during the day, but this type of dog that people would keep in their home as a pet, which does not have the right to be treated as a child. Well, I I grew up watching my granddad love on his dogs. And one day at the dinner table, my dad said, You know, Dad, when I die, I just pray that I can come back as your dog. And he meant, you treat this dog like a human. I mean, they had a love bench out on the back patio. And you didn't just throw the dog a bone. The the dog would sit there until my granddad would get the hammer out with the bone and chop it up. Break it up into little fine pieces. Then the dog knew, now it's time to eat this bone. Spoiled, rotten. One day I said, Big Daddy, why do you do this? I mean, this is unbelievable. He said, this is how a dog is to be treated. Because this dog is like my best friend. Now, you think about it. Do we not treat our pets with all the love and the care and the attention that we can? Boy, we spoil them rotten, don't we? Go ahead and shake your head. We do. It's okay. It's biblical to do that. Amen? <laughs> Somebody agrees with that. But stay with me here. If Jesus was talking to you or I, in this passage. It can come across a little offensive. Lord, I'm not less than anyone else. I have as much right to be treated right and be blessed as others do. But are we quickly to say, Lord, why am I not as blessed as others? Or, Lord, why am I blessed so much because I don't deserve this? I mean, this woman does not get upset with this play on words here. And I'm so glad that she stays with it. And I'm glad that the disciples are able to hear this. And I'm glad that we're able to take a glance into it as well. Because what we seem to realize is this. She seems to know Jesus well enough that she's not accepting that as a rejection. She expects him to heal her daughter. Not because of who she is but because of who He is. Folks, we need to learn that. God doesn't do it because of us. He does it because He's God. He does it because it's His loving nature to do that. It's His loving nature for His will to be done in our lives. Otherwise, we wouldn't be His children, would He? But we're his children because he loves us. And love has no boundaries. Love has no limits there, does it? We sang about that this morning. Magnificat. What a great love God has for his people. And so she begins to realize, I am a dog. Because I'm not worthy to be your child. But because you are so rich in blessings and in goodness. Even a crumb will be enough to heal my daughter. You see? That's why there's more to this story than what's on the surface. Because when you just read it. You're tempted to just close your Bible. And walk away from it for a little bit. You've got to stay with it. And you got to see the deeper meaning. Yes. You and I, in that sense, we're dog. We're not worthy to be his child. But he's accepted us on that terms. But not just at that. He doesn't just take us where we are and leaves us. He shows us what he expects. He shows us what he wants from his children. And so she shows humility in her request. Because all these things about her point to one thing. And Jesus knew this all along. And now he can look at her And he can look at the disciples and he can say, woman, you have great faith. And what he longs to do with us, he longs to look deep in our life and say, this is my child, this is my son, this is my daughter. They're worthy of great faith. And as he speaks these words, we know the rest of the story. Her daughter was healed. And all along, what she was praying for, she got. Healing was on its way. There just needed to be a little time. There needed to be a little, if you want to call it, testing period to see how she was going to handle it. I think she handled it pretty well. The disciples, again, needed to learn that. We, as his disciples, again, need to learn that. And so, how does your faith compare to that of this woman? I mean, are there times in your life where over and over again you ask God for healing or for help and it seems that he just doesn't hear you? Do you feel that he's not treating you as a father would or should treat his children? Could it be that Jesus is testing you? Could it be that he is, as we've sung about this morning, refining you to where he wants you to be? 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result. In praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We go through the test, we can't wait for the results. That is a result that we long for every day. That's what keeps us going. And so I want to ask that you stand right now, and we're going to sing a song in just a moment. But I want you to think about this question. How has your faith been refined and proven true? There was, a, there was a line in the song that we sang this morning that said this. I choose to be holy and set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Are you ready to keep doing the will of the one who sent us? Let's sing this song of faith this morning. And if you need to come for anything, we stand here ready to help you this morning as we sing this song.